What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 22 of the Watch Your Tone podcast. I'm your host, Tony D'Angelo. It's a three-man show tonight. Me, my brother, Lou D'Angelo, and our producer, Sean. So we got three guys. Everybody else is out of commission. Um, before we start, we're going to get right into the Doug Peterson Eagles fiasco. Me and Louie are going to talk about it. Sean, feel free to jump in. And then from there, we're going to catch up on what's going on because I even got asked about this Eagles thing today in my, uh, my media availability with the Rangers. So let's hop right into it. Let's talk about what everybody's been talking about over the weekend. I'm going to get your guys' thoughts first. Think Peterson threw the game. You think the Eagles threw the game. Um, people were saying it's disrespectful to the league, a disgrace to the league. I disagree, but I want to hear what you guys had to say first, and we'll go back and forth. So go ahead. The Eagles th- definitely threw the game. They had no intentions of winning, clearly, by taking Hurts out and putting Sudfield in, who hasn't played all year. So I think uh, – I don't know if it was necessarily Peterson's idea to throw the game. It may have come down from Jeffrey Lurie, but it was evident that they didn't want to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think they, they threw it too. But um, I think a big deal that people are making about it – I mean, if it was like Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it would be like a huge scandal. But – I feel like it's them them as doing their stuff. If they want to lose, get the better pick, go ahead. All right, so let me ask both you guys questions. Eagles are down 17-14, right? I, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure it was, almost 1,000% sure. It's fourth and goal. It was Jalen Hurts. That was the third quarter when they had the fourth and goal there. Nobody scored in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so it's the third quarter. But it's fourth and goal. Eagles could kick a short field goal to make it 17 off they'd like. But in a game that you guys say they're trying to throw, they go for it on fourth and goal. And a good throw, which it wasn't, makes the game 21-17 Eagles. Now they're winning the game. And they have to go up a score, which they weren't doing much. The defense played great. Defense was all over Washington. So how did they throw the game? I mean, just, at, just by taking Hurts out means they threw the game? I think after that point, they may have felt like, all right, it's over now. You know, and let's listen. I don't blame Doug Peterson and them guys for not wanting to win deep down, but going for it on fourth down was coaching to win. He could have easily kicked a field goal to tie it and then played soft coverage on defense as they wanted to and lost late. There was, you can't really throw a game. It looked like they did, you know, the late, the neutral zone infraction penalty was, was an ugly one on the fourth down at the end of the game, you know, that kind of like sealed the deal. But the giants won six football games all year and you got players live tweeting what's going on. I can't believe what I'm watching. You won six games. Yeah, you shouldn't, I don't, even, you shouldn't even believe that you're in contention, let alone you can't believe what you're watching. The yeah, fact that yeah, you're in contention for a playoff spot's a disgrace. Six games you won, six and ten. The Giants have absolutely no gripe. They can't be bitching about not making the playoffs because the Eagles threw the game. They didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. If they deserved it, they would have been in there. They Joe lost Judge, four straight going into that game. Joe Judge is sitting there talking on his high horse, and I hate to do it because you know I play for the Rangers and, and talking shit on the Giants here, but – I couldn't listen to it. It was sickening. You won six football games. Stop talking about what you would do with the Giants and we'll never play that way. I actually didn't mind what he was saying about all the sacrifices guys made and, you know, what they had to do to play the season, the work ethic they put in. That was all good and great. But, like, to throw it back on the Eagles is is really stupid. First of all, it really should be on Washington. The Eagles had nobody playing. They were all banged up. They had nobody in on defense, really nobody in on offense either. No Miles Sanders, no – uh, Deshaun Jackson didn't play, barely played all year, but, and the defense was really banged up and Washington could barely get down the field on besides the first drive. Barely. So a team that was uh, big favorites in the game were supposed to run away with it. And it's in, you know, six and four, there were five and four in their last nine games prior to six and four to finish. 
it shouldn't even have been close. So I'm sick of hearing about all these people saying about the Eagles for the game. I can't believe it. Because guess what? The Eagles are picking six now. The Giants are picking 11th. And that's it. It's over. The Giants weren't – they don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. Neither really does Washington. Neither does the Cowboys. None of them deserve it. But somebody had to go. And if it was going to be anybody, it should have been Washington. They beat the best teams. They beat Pittsburgh. They went into Dallas. They beat Dallas. And guess what? Whether the Eagles, you want to say they threw the game or not, they still found a way to win. They almost, they could have lost that game. Just the fact that they could have lost the game makes me believe that it wasn't thrown. Did they want to win? Did the GM want to win? Did the owner want to win? Absolutely not. Probably pumping their fist after when they didn't get it on the fourth down. But the Sudfield thing, when they put in Sudfeld, in my opinion, he's saying to himself, all right, Carson Wentz is probably gone. Could Sudfeld be the the backup next year. See what he's got. Give him a couple of drives. What's the difference? We're out of the playoffs anyway. That doesn't yeah. mean you're throwing the game. Who, who's to say Sudfield wasn't going to come in and start whipping balls all around the field? Hertz wasn't doing much before that anyway. I liked what Kurt Warner said too. He put out a tweet, you know, how does Nate Sudfield feel when another coach in a league say that you're disrespecting the game of football by putting him in the game? I mean, he has been in the league for a decent amount of time. He's gone through, you know, the whole the whole season he's worked hard. So if Peterson wanted to get him out there to see what he could do to get him some, you know, reps on tape for maybe if he's not even coming back to the Eagles, he felt he owed him man. He, you know, he put him in. Yeah. That's my thoughts. And I wanted to knock that out of the way before we got into the NFL talk is when we talk about the NFL later, we'll just make it all about playoffs, but that's been going around. And obviously since I'm an Eagles fan, I get asked about it. So that's my thoughts on Obviously you guys disagree with me, but uh, that makes for a good conversation. Picking up on, uh, what we were going to talk about to start the episode, we kind of had it lined up for the fans yesterday on uh, on Twitter. NHL training camps all across the league have started. Not many uh, COVID cases. It seems like it seems like things are going pretty good. Camps are starting. Um, a lot of teams seem like they're having tough camps to start. I guess because we've been off so long. You know, some of the teams out west or not out west. I shouldn't say the teams that didn't. It's mostly out west. The teams that didn't make the playoffs are they started uh, January first, I believe, or, or December thirty first. One or the other. They started a couple of days early. Them guys haven't played for since last March. We shut down on March 12th or something like that, right? So you're talking about almost a year them guys haven't played hockey. So a couple extra days is uh, is good for them. But getting into the camp, camp first couple of days for us has been real tough, kind of getting back in shape. Everybody's been skating beforehand, like before you came in, but just to try to get the feel of hockey back and, and get your legs going every day. So skates at the end of practice and all that kind of stuff. Um what are your guys' thoughts? What, how do you think the season is going to go with no fans from the start? What are your opinion? And I'll kind of give you mine back. I think um, no fans at the start is kind of a different mindset. You kind of knew it was coming in the playoffs, but you figured they were going to be back at some point. Now that you have none, and I think only five or six teams maybe across the NHL have any fans, what yeah. do you guys think it's going to be like? I know the Panthers have fans, 25% capacity. 4,000, right? Yes. So I get they said that they could go up, could go down, depending on what protocol is in Florida. Um, I think it'll definitely be weird, especially, you know, to start a full regular season with no fans because the fans make the game, you know, more entertaining. And especially from a player standpoint, it's probably weird to play in an empty rank, not hear anything, no atmosphere. It's probably a little different. So hopefully at some point the fans could get back in there and, you know, the garden could be rocking again. Both you guys got some New York gear on tonight, but the people that watch on YouTube, they'll like that. I think um, just like you knew there was going to be no fans in the bubble. Like that was a given. Everybody knew that was coming. But to go a year, you haven't played in front of fans in a year now. So obviously some of them teams will get them. If like for us, it's just uh, it'd be a little weird to play the Islanders on opening night, not a person in the building besides the team docs and the trainers and all that kind of stuff. 
And then you go to the, you know, the Coliseum last year was some of our craziest games of the year. You're going to go over the Coliseum. You have no fans. You go to Boston, TD Gardens, you know, known for a raucous crowd. You get nothing there. So hopefully they get back sooner and later because I think it's going to be a bit of a playing in the opposing buildings. The bubble kind of made it easier because everybody's in the same situation, right? But now you go into other teams' buildings where you're used to having certain type of crowds. You just got nothing. So you got to find your, you got to kind of find your own energy. But a fan actually asked me a question yesterday. It was on, I don't know if it was on my Twitter or, or our Twitter or whatever I've seen it. And they said they wanted to know about what a day in the life was like for an NHL training camp. I guess there's never been like, you know, how hard Knox is in the NFL they have. And they kind of go through it. There's never been one of those in the NHL, but. There was only that one thing with like the Flyers at a 24-7. Yeah, that winter Their own camp? Did it show their own camp? It didn't show the camp. Uh, it a little bit. to the winter classic. There's really not much to it. It's like, you know, it's, uh, there's usually two groups. You know, group A and a group B, I guess maybe in a bigger camp, maybe there was three groups last year, like when we had, you know, 60 guys in camp as opposed to what we have now. But you go in in the morning, you say you're in group A and you're, and you're skating at 1030. You go in in the morning, you have breakfast. You know, right now you got to take your COVID test before you do anything. You have breakfast, you work out, or you, and then you do video, and then you practice, and then the day's done. That's kind of a day in the life of training camp. And guys go home, and there's really not much to do. And then, like, tomorrow, you know, there'll be a scrimmage. And you get ready to go. There's nothing to it. The person seemed real interested in finding out like what goes on in a day in life, but it's pretty simple. They want the details, Tony. They want to know what's the breakfast spread look like, what goes on. What's well, there's no everything's COVID. Everything's COVID uh, protocol right now, so there's no breakfast spread. You order, and it, you know, then it's waiting there for you. So you kind of whatever you want. You get scrambled eggs or whatever you're gonna get, bacon, home fries, you know, whatever you decide to get, and then it's just there. Usually, you go into the kitchen, you order what you want, you sit down with the guys. Now it's kind of you know. You have to eat six feet apart, all that kind of stuff. So everything's different as you would expect. But the day itself is is workout, video, practice, and you go back home. Now, it's a little harder than normal right now because you're doing a lot more skating and, and conditioning to get ready for the season. Once the season starts, a day in the life changes dramatically because then you have to prepare for games. You have morning skates and then a game at night. Days off are usually either full days off or lighter skates to keep, you know, especially in a short season like this, kind of keep you ready to go. But um, I don't know. I kind of try. I wanted to try to answer that for them because I feel like people were interested in it. But there's really uh, not much exciting news for it. Like you said, they would. If it was a real season, they would get a little more, you know, get a little more insight when guys are around. You know, allowed to be around each other without mask on, all that kind of stuff. So right now, pretty simple. Everybody's just getting ready to go. How about how do the young fellas look? You got, you know. Well, that's, I was going to get into that as well. Like our guys look good. Our goalies look unbelievable. Both of our goalies, Igor and George, you look. They look great. Um, the young guys look good. I mean, we haven't done a ton of stuff yet. Just really getting broken into it and skating a couple of scrimmages and all that kind of stuff. The young guys look good though. You could tell, you could watch when you watch a guy play, like when you're on the ice, um, it doesn't matter what league you're in, where you're at, you know, when a guy has hockey smarts and stuff and you just see like, you know, you watch Lafreniere a little bit in the scrimmage and he, the way he's able to, he just thinks, you know, you see something when you're watching from the bench as a player, it's so easy to tell as you guys probably assume when you're fans, when you're watching, it looks so slow, right? When you're watching a game, could be a football game, when you're yelling at a player, but it doesn't matter what sport it is. It looks slow from the bench, but as a hockey player, you know, you see the play that you think could be happening next. And he seems to be picking up on those plays and making the ones that you're, that you would expect somebody to make or the one that you see from the bench. So he looks good, but it's only a couple of days in. I've um, been on the ice with him, I think only three times now, the first three days of camp. Before that, I wasn't on the ice with him and all we were in separate groups, but uh, he looks good. Kako looks really good. All the guys look good. I think, um, expectations are pretty good for the team. I feel like I'm giving an interview, 
right now, but uh, expectations are pretty like high. I feel like every team says the same thing. Everybody's expectations are internally high, but I think for us, we, we feel pretty good because we were pretty good last year. I think we got better. The goaltending looks really good. Get a first round pick in first overall pick in second overall picks. Got another year to get ready to go. Kako looks really good. He looks bigger, stronger. So for the Ranger fans listening, they'll, uh, they'll appreciate that. They'll like what they're seeing there. I think you can have a good year. And um, for everybody else, everybody looks good. They're in shape and we should be ready to go. I don't like to make any, you know, there's no reason for me to make any big predictions or anything like that, but I think, uh, I think we're pretty good. So whatever we had last year, try to build off it and, and get to the playoffs this year. The only other thing we really had to talk about hockey right now would be world juniors. I know Louie watched the game last night, Sean, I'm not sure if you watched it. Did you watch the, uh, did you watch the gold medal game? No, I saw the highlights though. I was yeah, in bed I, by then. I didn't watch much of it. I went to bed pretty early last night. But uh, Lou, thoughts on uh, thoughts on Team USA? What you have? USA looked good. They came out strong. I didn't feel like they were intimidated by Canada. You know how many NHL picks they have on that team. So I felt like they went in as the heavy favorite. Um, but USA put them on their heels to start. Uh, got a quick lead. Um, Zegras had an unreal tournament. I think he either I'm pretty sure he tied for the most points in a world junior with Ronick and one other guy, I forget who it was. Um, but then they went up 2-0. but then Canada, uh, kind of started to turn around. They got some momentum, hit a few posts. Uh, but luckily, you know, USA held on, they played good defense and they, they beat Canada. That's uh four in a row. Four in a row for them every time four they played. Just Canada. in gold medal games. Yeah, in gold medal definitely games. in four in a row because Canada slapped us when I played. Yeah. When I played there. We actually almost came back late and then I turned it over. They scored an empty net. I tried to throw the puck like back at the we had, we had pulled the goalie. Larkin scored. We made it like a one goal game. And twenty seconds after he scored, I tried like putting the puck up the wall right on Sam Reinhardt's tape. He scored. And we may have scored again after that again to make it another one goal game. I forget. But they were uh, that was the year they won when it was in Toronto and Montreal. They were really good. That was the Domi year when the crowd was chanting Domi, Domi all over in the, the Bell Center and they won in Toronto. Um, I was saying it today. I was talking to a couple of the guys, a couple of Canadian guys on the team. I said, I think the Canada, there's so much pressure on them. The players feel so much pressure with or without fans playing in Canada. You know, I lived in Canada for, for four years, four full years. The World Junior there, I played in one of them. The World Junior there is like, that's it. That's like, you know, our version of the Super Bowl. They love it. It's huge. All over the TV. It's on every channel coverage on every you know there's more coverage there for the world juniors than the stanley cup gets in the states i you feel know, like it's ESPN more on them to play usa in a gold medal game that would be to play russia or finland well yeah because they always want to beat the americans that's like yeah. internal pressure a lot of them kids know each other and stuff but i just think the pressure for playing for the canadian world junior team is like the americans nobody even watches it probably you know if you look at the nhl network ratings last night compared to probably tsn8 it yeah. would be it wouldn't even be close you know what i mean there was actually, I felt like there was maybe more, maybe because I just see all the hockey stuff on Twitter and stuff. Maybe there was, you know, more viewers than than usual. Like a World Junior Hockey, did anybody see it on ESPN? Was it like covered for more than ESPN like covered ended. more than ten seconds? No, the game did ended that? yesterday, and Sports Center was starting, and they, I don't even think they mentioned it for like the first thirty minutes of the show. I mean, I didn't watch the show, so I don't know if they mentioned. It. I'm saying, would it be mentioned for more than 15, 20 seconds max in the, in a sixty minute show? No. show in Canada yesterday, they yeah. probably had a show for an hour on TSN just talking about it. So the pressure for them guys to win over there is way more than the USA. But USA seems to be to be doing a pretty good job. Like I feel like our development's getting better and better, like at a younger age. I work with a lot of the kids in our area, like the, the Philadelphia, South Jersey area. And it's like so much 
I try, I'm, I'm big on development. I think development's the biggest thing for them, young kids and stuff growing up, even, even the junior age kids, I think development's so much more important than, than systems and all that kind of stuff. But USA hockey's kind of like trending in the right direction. I think world juniors kind of puts it on display. So it really should get more coverage because it would grow the sport for younger kids. I mean, um, I uh, have a lot of the kids on Instagram that I, you know, work with and train in the summer and coach, and they all posted it, which was good. At least they're paying attention to it. So USA hockey in general does like not have a big enough following. In my opinion, they have to try to grow the base of followers and get more young kids into that development field. You know what I mean? So I feel like Canada, Canada has it. Every young kid in the world in Canada, it was my point. I'm trying to get across every young kid in the world in Canada yesterday is probably sitting in their living room, wearing a Canada Jersey, a team Canada hockey Jersey, watching that game cheering as if it's their favorite team in the Stanley cup for their country. Yeah, I think sports center and ESPN has a lot to do with hockey, not being as big too, because well, it's also, we're not, we're not partnering with them. Once no, I'm saying, partner with them, I think it'll be more. Yeah. Once, once you turn on your sports channel to watch highlights, you see basketball, 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 football, football, five seconds of hockey. And then it's right back to the other sports. Well, so. I don't care about the NHL because they're partnering with football. They're partnering with basketball. So they don't have to show us, but world junior, that's your country. It's USA. You know, ESPN's uh, USA. They should give that out. You know what I mean? USA, a USA team won a gold medal in a major tournament. That should be on every sports channel, if you ask me. It's not like, oh, we don't, you know, we're not partnering with hockey, so we don't want to show it. That's not NHL affiliated. That's that's a country winning something, winning a gold medal, and you don't even see it nowhere. No, you know, nothing. If it was like a soccer game or something, it'd be the biggest thing in the world. They would go crazy for it. But uh, that's all part of growing the game, I guess. It needs to grow more and more. But um, that Zegers kid looked really good. I read that all them guys are going right to their NHL camps now. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I would assume if you're Anaheim, how, how doesn't that guy make the team right now the way he looked? Where's he going to go back and play? He seems like he's too good for almost any other league the way he played against those guys. But uh, I know what you're saying. I read 20, I think he had 20 assists, tied Jordan Schrader for the he lit it up. World Junior history, though. I don't think not just in this tournament, 20 assists in his career at, uh, at the World Juniors. I guess he played two or three years. The funny thing was, he lit it up so much, too, and he didn't even win uh, Offensive Player of the Tournament. Who won it? Uh, Stitzel. Oh, really? Stitzel yeah. won it? Did he, didn't even play, did he play a playoff game? Uh, he had 10 points, five Genos, five Apples. He looked pretty good. Yeah. I didn't get to watch much of it this year. I usually and I, like, I really like to watch it. I like it with fans better, though. The fans make it so much more exciting. A Canadian-USA game, that was probably the best um, – I shouldn't – I don't know what way I'm trying to say it, the best – it was probably the coolest game I've ever been a part of. Definitely wasn't the best because we lost. It was probably the coolest game I've ever been a part of. We played Canada at the Bell Center in Montreal. Totally, totally packed. I mean, it was just a sea of red in there. We played them on New Year's Eve. That was right before they stopped doing a New Year's Eve game, really. I don't think they've played each other on New Year's Eve since. Maybe maybe once or twice. But uh, we played them on New Year's Eve packed to the gills. And we, it was a great game. I think we lost, like I was telling you guys about earlier, we lost. I had the turnover on the empty net there. But just the crowd, like the enthusiasm in the rink, and it was like, I felt as if, say if we were playing in New York, I don't think you would have had that kind of crowd there for a World Junior game. This crowd was like Stanley Cup-like. Never played in the Stanley Cup, but that's what I would assume. <laughs> that's what I would assume it felt like. It was insane. So what a tough experience for them guys not to get to do it in front of fans, but still a big win, gold medal, something they won't forget. But um, it was pretty good. All right, for all our fight fans, UFC is finally back. It feels like it was a long break after we had fights every single weekend for a while now. So uh, this coming Saturday, actually, I'm sorry, the 16th, we have Holloway Qatar, which is going to be a pretty good card. I think there's some pretty good prelims and undercards on that. 
Then we have a midday fight on the 23rd. It's a Wednesday. So 12 p.m. for any fight people, make sure you're uh, up or watching during your workday, something to watch at least. And then the big fight, Poirier versus McGregor. I know everybody's looking forward to that. McGregor said he's going to put on, put on a masterpiece. And uh, Poirier's calling himself the underdog, saying he's ready to go. So I think we're going to have a pretty good battle there. I thought uh, I saw something funny. Um, UFC put up a post for the fight, and some guy commented. He said, thanks, Dane. I'm going to pirate the shit out of this. And Dana clapped back at him and said, I'm going to catch you. So uh, anybody trying to get an illegal stream, Dana might be on you this time. I feel like there's always an illegal stream out there for the fights. There was crack streams, but they took it down. So I don't know where. I'm sure people find a way to watch them illegally, but. Somebody will have it up. When there was a Tyson fight, during the Tyson Jones fight, somebody sent it to me on, it was on YouTube. It was literally on a guy's YouTube channel. I said that to you. I typed in the guy's name on YouTube. His channel came up and I clicked on his, all I did was click on his name. I clicked on his channel name and right up, it just came. It was live feed of the fight. Perfect feed. You heard him in the background a little bit yapping, but it was just perfect feed. I feel like the McGregor card's actually worth the money though. It might be 50, 60 bucks. And he always makes it entertaining. So I feel like that's, that's worth it. Even the last McGregor card I bought, I believe I bought it was um, when he fought Khabib and that wasn't worth it for me at all. What? He got pounded. Yeah, after the fight, they start fighting in the bleachers, and Dylan Dennis was fighting Khabib, and they went crazy. It was, it was yeah, worth it. Like was, the fight itself wasn't worth it to me. It sucked. He was on the ground the whole time. It was two different styles of fighters. It was a striker versus a grappler. Yeah. I don't know, the after fireworks were pretty good. Getting fucking wild in there. I, don't know. I mean, that part was good, yeah. But, like, to me, the fight itself, you're looking at that fight the whole time. McGregor's coming back. And I kind of – I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know the fighters as well as you do, but – uh I think Poirier give him a run for his money as well. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a way different fight than the first time they fought. Be but more raw. McGregor looks big. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him. He looks pretty thick, so, he, you know, he could strike with the best of him in the UFC. So, I'm still going to side McGregor. I wouldn't count out Poirier. I feel like he has, you know, obviously a puncher's chance, but I'm still going to go with Connor here. I would like it if they had them all together in one big night. All the main cards you're talking about right now just had them all back to back to back to back to back. That'd be insane. Like just a special. I think that I mean the UFC knows what they're doing anyway. I don't need to be giving them advice on how to run their run their business. They're probably doing the best job of any sport by a mile. But imagine that you have the Holloway fight followed by the other fight you're talking about, followed by the McGregor fight, just back to back to back. You get a you couple need, hours special. You would need McGregor and Poirier. You could put Holloway Qatar on it, and then you would need Miocic and Naganu. The two heavyweights. What about Chim? Uh, what's the guy's name? Chimnev or Chimiev? Chimaev. He was supposed to fight. I think not he fighting. Had, no, I think he had a COVID thing where they canceled it or moved really? it back to February. That guy was like unbeatable right now. He's the up and comer. Yeah, but he hasn't fought anybody yet, really. He hasn't fought he a top. Wants to fight him. I mean, actually, you know what? As much as you say that, I just said that there. All them guys want to fight each other. Yeah, I mean. They I love it. They call each other out right away. They win one fight, they're calling out the top guy. They yeah. can beat anybody. They're writing a thing, calling out the next guy. They want UFC to- loves that too, though, because as soon as the fight ends, they're asking, they're asking who they want next. They're asking the next toughest guy to fight. I like that. Um, I'm looking forward to the UFC, though. It's been a couple weeks off. So Saturday night, we get UFC back. It has been a while. College, well, college football. It's not this Saturday? I thought uh, the 16th. Oh, this is, well, anyway, college football is going to be done. So. You know, that's another story in itself. We'll talk about that in a second. But with college football done, what else is there to watch on Saturday nights now? NHL will be back, so you'll be able to watch NHL, NBA. 
I'd much rather watch UFC than an NBA, that's for sure. Get the NFL playoffs this weekend. It's nice that all the TV schedules are kind of lining up nicely. Right yeah. now, it's college basketball and the NBA. It's it on the week. I actually don't mind the NBA. I can't take college basketball. I'm a lot different. Most people are the other way around. Most people love college sports, hate pro sports. Like college football is so big, I think it's horrible. Yeah, I'm not a college sports guy, really. I like, mean, how could you say that? You know, the Clemson Ohio State game was pretty good. It was a good game, but like you yeah. get like two of those a year. You know, the, the top end teams, the college football playoff, that's it. Unless watching they, the they SEC like teams is enjoyable because it's more like watching a pro style offense. But college basketball is the worst sport in the world to bet on because if you watch an NBA game and let's just say the line is three and there's five seconds left and they're up, they'll dribble it out. They don't just shoot to shoot. You got to they're down 25. These college guys are heaving up threes with 0.2 seconds left just for the fuck of it. And you get killed on the line. You know, what I don't understand about college sports, about college basketball and college football, especially why the rules are so much different than the pro. All those kids there, their goal, you know, their goal is to play in the NFL or in the NBA, the kids that are playing college basketball and college football. Meanwhile, in college football, the clock stops on first downs. You only have to get one foot in bounds for a completion. Like, that's not NFL stuff. I guess it's an easy fix. Even college, like, okay. basketball has completely changed to a One and one, game. the fouls. And the three-point line shorter. Yeah, three-point line shorter, one and one on the fouls. So, all right, I'm judging a guy. I'm Scott, I'm judging a guy who shoots 42% from three at college. What do I think that equals in the NBA? You know what I mean? I don't know if that – like, I never heard of that. It should be the same distance. Yeah, like, I could understand in basketball. It should if be it's like high school has their own rules. But college should be the same as the NBA. These – half the guys in college are grown men. Like, they're huge. They should be – like they're 40, half of them. When I was yeah. watching the college basketball game a couple weeks ago, I was like, how is this guy 22 or whatever they're saying his ages? And I'm yeah. not saying they're lying about their age, but, like, the guy looks 35 years old. It's like in bench warmers, I am 12. Yeah, he's got the bald. He got the bald head. He's like, I'm like, what's going on here? Um, college basketball is bad though. March Madness is great. You know what? I'd rather watch March Madness than mostly anything. There was a little info on that. We're having March Madness again. It's all in Indiana. Yeah, I'm saying March Madness is huge. Like Mr. March Madness last year stunk. I can watch March Madness all day. This is weird because I don't really like college basketball, but I can watch March Madness from the day one till the end of it. I watch every game. They're all exciting games. Your regular college basketball game, like on TV tonight. I can't, I can't put it on. I'll take it right off. Got no time for an NBA game. I don't know. I like watching the Knicks right now. I'll tell you that. Cause they play hard. I feel like the NBA is fun. If you watch the last 10 minutes of a game. Yeah. But if you watch the Knicks play right now, I know you guys don't watch the Maybe you do. I know Louie doesn't watch the Knicks play right now. They play hard. A lot of teams in the NBA play so soft. It's like wide open threes and easy layups. The Knicks are playing like they're no joke. They play hard out there, which is fun to watch. And obviously it's cool because we get to see them. I mean, we're not seeing them this year because of the COVID stuff, but we get to see them all the time. You're in the same building training with them. You share the same rink uh, arena. And now you watch them. They're playing real good for the first time in a couple of years. It's cool. And they play hard. Like it's fun. It makes it fun to watch. Um, last week I really chopped up the Sixers and I was dead wrong. Sixers are playing unbelievable basketball, six and one playing great. And they haven't played many real tough competition yet, but they're playing real good really beating up on teams. Uh, so we, I was ice cold on those last week. So real ice cold takes ahead on the NBA last week, it seemed. Saving the best segment for last today, the most important stuff going on right now. And then we'll throw the Alabama game in Monday night if it's supposed to. I said it's on schedule to be played still, but let's talk NFL playoffs. We're all set. We talked about it last week, gave our predictions, 
talked about the Giants fiasco earlier in the episode at the start. Now let's get into the teams that are actually in the playoffs and won more than six games deserving to get in. And uh, let's start it off. We're going to go game by game. Uh, Bills against the Colts. It's a little bit of a sleeper for me now. We were just talking, our co-host who's not on tonight, he's in Florida, Gleason, says the Bills are a fraud. And I quote, the Bills are a fraud. And he's got the Colts as his lock of the week. He wanted us to tell the viewers. Colts plus seven is his lock of the week and maybe even money line. And that the Bills are a fraud. I totally disagree. Sean disagreed. I said it was the coldest take I've heard in a while. I think the Colts are legit. I think the Colts could beat the Bills, but to call the Bills a fraud is is insane. The Bills are really good all over the field. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. They've got a great quarterback right now. They run the ball. they got the best receiver in the game this year, would you say? I mean, he had to be numbers, right? Stephon Diggs, was he the number one? Is he the best receiver in the game? I don't know, but he was number-wise this year. Receiving uh, yards-wise, for sure. Yeah, so there's no reason that you can't. I mean, and they got other receivers. John Brown could go deep. They got – and their offensive coordinators – He's drawing up something nice every game because they're always firing. I feel like it comes down to Jonathan Taylor, what he could do running-wise. Phillip Rivers is on the wrong side of 40, has never had really good playoff success, and now he's just getting older. I like the Bills here for sure. I don't even think it's going to be that competitive. I feel like the Bills are getting better every single week. It's definitely going to be competitive if you ask me. The Bills are getting – I agree with you, Sean. The Bills are getting better every week. And Josh Allen's getting better every week. And when you're going against a quarterback – the court, I agree with Louie in a sense with Phillip Rivers. The quarterback, um, you know, in the game is you got one guy up here and another guy down here. I think Phillip Rivers is just a game manager. They'll be doing a lot of crossing routes. They'll be handing the ball off a ton and hoping to play good defense. But they got weapons. They moved the ball down the field to Colts. But I just – Josh seven. Allen – Josh Allen's a little too strong for it because the Colts, their defense hasn't been great lately. I, I always thought it was, you know, early in the year it was good, good, good. It stayed pretty good, and now it's taken a couple steps back a little bit. But I'll go with the Bills. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a good game. I think the Colts hang in there. Frank Reich, a good coach. Frank Reich. A game that I don't think is going to be close would be the next game on the slate, Washington and um, Tampa Bay. I think it's a blowout. If Washington plays anything like they did last week in Philly against a team who you guys say was trying to throw the game, it's a blowout because Tampa Bay's firing on all cylinders defensively. And, yeah, everybody's saying they haven't played that good of teams. The schedule's been easy for them, but they're firing. Tom Brady, proven, I'm not going to say proven winner. What a, what a stretch that would be to say. Tom Brady against Washington and the guys they have in their first playoff game. Blowout. I don't know what the spread is, but I would take it times two if I was a betting man. I think it's seven or eight. The only thing that's weird, I think, I think the Bucs are going to win pretty easy too. Tom Brady said he goes to bed at 830. That's his average bedtime, which is like what a five-year-old would do. But he goes to bed at 830. And they have any game that he's played this season in prime time, which is obviously at night, he's 0-4 against the spread. So just a betting trend. I don't say, you know, that it's actually going to happen. But I, I think the Bucs win here easy too. Got the Bucs easy. The biggest question for the Bucs is can they stop the defensive line of Washington? But that's everybody's biggest question against Washington because that's really all they got. If their front's not getting there, you could carve them up. Their corner's all right. They got the young corner. Ronald Darby, who was terrible for the Eagles, actually not even playing bad out there. But if you stop their front with Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and hopefully Mike Evans, I'm not sure if he's going to play uh, Gronk, they'll, they'll carve them up pretty good. And just like they've been carving up the other teams. So got Tampa Bay very, very easily there. Seattle and Los Angeles. Nobody knows who's starting. Yeah. Even if golf plays, I still got Seattle. 
if Goff plays, I'm taking the Rams. What's up with Seattle? I'm I'm still a believer in Seattle, but every week they just don't show me much. Their They're offensive so game plan stinks. They're bland. How could you be bland with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, Russell Wilson? I mean, you should be firing. Yeah. They're bland. Like, they don't do much. Their offense is like, all right, we're either going to run the ball here or we're going to drop back. And I don't know. I think, though, in big games, uh, primetime game here. against Wilson. You know, Wilson will start getting the feet going. He's pulling out all the stops. He ain't going to be messing around. So, give me, the, give me the Seahawks. I said last week the Seahawks are my sleeper in the conference. Uh, I might like to take that back, but I'm not going to because we said last week that we couldn't. I said you had to give your, had to give your picks. So I'll stick with the Seahawks, but I definitely don't like the way they're going right now. Um, Tampa Bay, sorry, not Tampa Bay, excuse me. Tennessee and Baltimore, another game for me I'll start is um, Baltimore in a route. I think Baltimore is my dark horse for the Woods name right now. The Super Bowl, they're firing on all cylinders. They're running the ball through anybody. Running, what they run for, 400 yards last game? Yeah. Mark Jackson's on fire. You got Gus Edwards came back. Dobbins is taking over the lead role. You got Ingram could come in. They got a good offensive line, and the defense is starting to play good. Tennessee can't play defense, and their offense is great. I won't deny Tennessee that, but I just don't think that they'll be able to keep up because they're not going to play defense. They can't stop the run. So what, why would they stop the best running team in the league if they can't stop the run? Got Baltimore. I'd like Tennessee. I think they're going to – Mike Vrabel's a pretty good coach. I think he'll have a good plan to start uh, stop Jackson. I don't think there's really any stopping him. He's going to get yards. He's going to make plays, but you just have to contain him enough. I think Tennessee with Henry, A.J. Brown, Tannehill's, you know, been great again. I think they could keep it close, and I think they win in a close one. Saints-Bears. Definitely not a route. I got a route in that game. Saints-Bears. Go ahead. You guys start here. Uh, I think the Saints win this pretty easily. I don't even think it's going to be close. Trubisky's looked better in the last five weeks, but I don't trust him in the playoffs at all. Sorry, Chicago. You're going to get blown out. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't think Chicago's going to get blown out. I just think that the Saints' defense is so good, and, and Drew Brees at home, he's he knows what he's doing. The offense will be good. Thomas will be back. Hopefully, Kamara's back. I haven't, uh, haven't read if he's 100% in yet with the – I know we had the buyers. But uh, I still got the Saints with or without either one of them, really. They had the roster they had last week, and I still think they'll win. The Bears were, were rolling pretty good there. You know, they won uh, – it was three games in a row before they went and played the pack. Trubinsky started falling back into the old Trubinsky a little bit, throwing balls up for grabs. And when they played a real good team, could have threw four picks in that game. So I would uh, – I think everybody and their cousins going to take the Saints there, but I would say the Saints. Last game is probably the most interesting game of the week is Steelers-Browns again. Now, the Browns played against the Steelers' backups last week and almost lost. Can they figure it out without their head coach this weekend and beat the Steelers? I, don't, I mean, I don't think so. But they've been playing pretty good this year. I, I don't know. The Steelers have been weird. They were playing horrible, and all of a sudden, in the second half against the Colts, they came out and looked unbelievable, looked like the Super Bowl contender again. And then last week... Their backups almost beat the Browns in a must-win game for the Browns. First time they've been in the playoffs in God knows how long. And now you think they're going to lose to the Browns in round one? I don't think so. I'd say the Steelers uh, The Steelers take that one. Yeah, I, I think the Steelers win pretty easy here. The, the Browns got a pretty tough hand, no Kevin Stefanski, and they're 0-17 at Heinz Field in their last 17 games. I don't think it changes this weekend. I think the uh, Steelers are going to win this one pretty easy. Definitely one of the most exciting games, I think, to watch for me. I think it's going to be exciting just because the Browns are in the playoffs. 
Yeah, Baker would be fired up for sure. Yeah, I wish it was in. I wish it was in Cleveland because they have hands. It was packed there last week. Yeah, the doghouse would be wild. The doghouse would be wild. Would even half capacity. Whatever they had, it looked like there was half capacity there. What did it say? Twenty five percent. It looked packed in there. They were going nuts. I liked it. I think uh, I'm happy. Like as a Browns fan, if you could stay a Browns fan as long as they did, you you deserve a playoff win. So I kind of hope they win, but I just don't think it's in the cards from this weekend. I do think the head coach should be able to talk to the uh, should be able to talk to the players though. That's for sure. Are they not allowed to? The, sorry, the staff, the players. He ain't going to talk to players. Well. I'm not sure if he's allowed to. I think they asked for permission. I was listening to on ESPN earlier. Well, but, like the Zoom conference in? No, no, no. I like to be on a headset or something. Oh, from, yeah. Like, yeah. Just, just have him coach for it. Really. Be I don't know what it would be like. It would exactly it would be like maybe they have a live feed to him so he could see exactly what's going on because he'd be behind on the TV. But um, for me, he should be able to. I mean, the guy got sick. Why, why shouldn't he be allowed to be with his team? They should put him in like a separate suite and have him like coach from the upstairs. Yeah, he should be allowed to be there if you ask me. I mean, it's a playoff game. I don't know why the guy wouldn't be able to be part of the team. Going off of that, though, so let's just say everybody wins. Who do you – you have your opinions changed in last week about who you think is going to go to go to distance here. Everyone thinks – I think Green Bay gets beat. I don't think Green Bay makes it. It's going to be to beat Green Bay. You got to go through Lambeau. It's freezing out there. Aaron Rodgers is used to it. I feel like the only guy who's going to go Tom Brady beat him in there. Tom Brady. The only guy who could go into Lambeau and beat him would be Brady. Tom Brady beat that Chiefs team two years ago in Kansas City, trailing with a terrible Patriots roster compared to compared to what he has now. Brady could go in there and win for sure. Besides that, I don't think anybody in the NFC is beating Rodgers at Lambeau. Yeah, I got the I got it. I got Rodgers going down in round one. I got him going down in the divisional. Not even – I don't even got to make it a championship. He plays – who do they play in the divisional? Well, four versus five is Washington-Tampa. He's yeah. won. Two versus seven. So they play – yeah, the lowest seed. No, two versus – yeah, two versus seven is um, – Saints-Bears. And then four – sorry, three versus six would be Saints – sorry, not Saints. Jesus. Seattle-Rams. Seattle against the Rams. So most likely they would play the Bucks if Seattle wins and New Orleans wins. But if LA wins, they play LA and the Bucks will play the Saints. Hmm. I'm thinking it's the Bucks that are gonna go into that are gonna go into Lambo in round two. That's my opinion. Obviously, because I just gave the picks I would do. So in round two, all right, let's go through the let's go through the NFC then. So let's just say of all our picks, we were all unanimous besides Louie with the Rams. Let's just say you had Saints, Seahawks round two, Tampa, Green Bay. Who gets through? I picked Green Bay, so I'm going to stick with Green Bay. I do think they could lose to the Bucs for obvious reasons. Um, and then I would go with the Saints. Yeah, I think the Saints will beat the Seahawks as well. Tough matchup for the Saints there, though. Mobile quarterback going against a couple of them wide receivers. That'd be a good one. I would have Saints Bucks advancing to the NFC Championship game. I just think that Green Bay's gone down. They they kill they got killed by Tampa earlier this year. Not that that means anything, you know. Um, but that was really their only bad loss of the year. I think they're due for another one. Tom Brady coming in, Rogers on his MVP year. Brady's the kind of guy that could uh, that could shut that MVP year down for him. He deserved the MVP either way, Rogers, but. That's the kind of thing I could see happening. Um, 
that's really it. I don't think, you know, my dark, I'm telling you, my new dark horse, I'm not going to switch. I got to stick with my original opinion, but my new dark horse is Baltimore. The way they're playing right now, the way they're rushing the ball, right in the, way. the whole thing. Kansas City's defense scares me. And Mahomes, as, uh, as much as I love the guy, he's been scaring me lately, getting too cute. Maybe they'll dial it in in the playoffs. They probably knew they didn't have to. Yeah. It was getting on my nerves a little bit what Kansas City was doing, like as if they were just too good for everybody. Everything's they a are. bomb, a deep bomb. Yeah, fourth and one. They had Sammy Watkins throwing them home. That play has still – I'm still mad about it. And yeah. it doesn't mean anything to me. It just – I just felt like uh, it was like a slap in the face of the other teams. Get your first down and then run the play. Get a yard and then run your, your little trick play. So, the Chiefs, though, they could dial it in. Maybe they are that much better than everybody else. Who knows? But uh, that's really all we got for tonight. We're going to have a little thing on Instagram. So if you're listening to this episode, the only way you're going to be eligible for the prize we're giving out is if you listen to this part and then you follow the steps that we're going to have posted on Instagram tomorrow. So thank you for listening. Hopefully you listen to this and you're going to go on and we'll try to give something out if we reach a certain amount of views. So we'll post all the information. Appreciate it. Uh, next week is probably going to be my last episode for a little bit. It'll be Tuesday, right before our game, our first game. Louis is going to take over for a little bit. And we're going to bring some guests on and whatnot for these guys. So appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah.